Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Geek Town Behind the Scenes podcast. I'm your host Dave Elliott and this week I'm talking with the composer Rob Carnes. Rob has been working in the industry since the early 90s. He's uh, worked across a huge range of, of things from uh, documentaries to uh, cartoon series to network television and films, a whole bunch of different stuff. He's worked very closely with uh, Tim Miller, who is, of course, the person that brought us Deadpool through uh, Blur Studios. He's worked on TV shows such as Dallas when they brought that back for a little bit. So uh, he'd worked on the update of that, so, which of course has an iconic theme tune so we talk a little bit about dealing with that he's worked on the bachelor and the bachelorette which i know we don't really get in the uk but uh, obviously i think everybody's heard of those shows so we talk a bit about providing the music for that and he's worked across the, almost the entire season of that so we uh, talk about how that's evolved the big thing he's been working on quite recently is love death and robots which is a brilliant anthology series uh, it's an animated anthology series it's tonally quite similar to something like Black Mirror, but overall quite different. It's on Netflix. If you want to go and look it up, I advise you to go and watch it. The animations are a variety of sort of things from like three minutes to 15, 20 minutes in length. There's a huge, huge range of things from some which are very comedic to some that are much darker. It's a fabulous, fabulous series. There is a second season coming as well. So we talk a little bit about that. And uh, we talk obviously about the first season and uh, his work on that and working with other composers as well as doing some of the episodes himself. There's a huge range of things that we cover in this interview. He was lovely to talk to. This was one of the interviews that I did whilst I was out in LA uh, in the days where we could actually fly places. The other thing that he does as well, which we talk a little bit about, is the uh, some of the music for Elder Scrolls Online as well, some of the uh, trailer music for that. So here's the interview with Rob Carnes. <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Lovely to be able to sit and talk with you. Thanks for having me. I'm That's happy great. to be here. Um, so, do you want to just introduce yourself, man? To, to uh, know who you are? I'm Rob Karens, and I 
do the music for Love, Death, and Robots, as well as the Bachelor series and a few other things. <laughs> the Bachelor franchise, I should say. Yes. It's more than just one series. It's like yeah, four now. It's about four million now. <laughs> yeah, they're adding another one. They have a brand, brand new one that is running between Bachelor and Bachelorette. It's a six-episode right, okay. music-themed yeah. Bachelor thing called oh. The Bachelor Presents Listen to Your Heart. Wow. Yeah. That's a show with music in it? Yeah, I haven't seen They're still shooting it, so I'm not 100% sure what my role is going to be in that. Interesting. But it's, yeah, there's going to be just like singers and stuff. Oh, okay. In it. So it's, it's sort of a, a sort of... But it's not like a... I don't think it's a competition. It's not like no one votes on them. It's... Right, okay. Uh, I'm sure there's roses involved, and it's, so it's, 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 it's a bachelor like, it's thing. It's a bachelor mixed with like American Idol sort of maybe. I guess without the competition aspect of it. That's so uh, I think it's they're they're trying to do um, bring people together through music or something. Yeah, it's, the whole bachelor thing is kind of weird because we don't have it in the UK. We don't have that particular type of dating show. That's so interesting because like, it's everywhere. It's like every other country has their own yeah, version of it. We have, I mean, we have stuff like you know Love Island. Love Island, right? Yeah, which I've is heard that. horrific and abomination piece of TV. But um, you know, the, the the actual kind of Bachelor thing. I think we may have tried it once or twice. They maybe some places show the American version, but we yeah. Don't I mean, have I like a UK version of it. Yeah, I think the American version does air overseas, and then yeah. some countries have their own. Yeah, they just do their own versions of it. They did a thing during the Olympics a couple of years ago during the Winter right, Olympics, yeah. Winter Games, and they had bachelor contestants from <laughs> other countries. Some people from Switzerland and some of them from Japan, and they brought them all together in a yeah. cabin somewhere and did. Yeah. My knowledge of The Bachelor partly comes through Unreal. <laughs> the TV show. Sure. So, you know, I, um, I'm kind of, you know, I, I'm aware of it. But it's know. a juggernaut. It's yeah, huge. It's and, uh, crazy. I've, I've been involved in it since 2002, so almost. Wow. It's going to be 18 years now. Yeah. Yeah. It's nuts. Yeah. It just keeps going. Does, it, does, it sh does music change dramatically? It has. It, I mean, the, it, it's, the show has evolved. And it, it, uh, when I first started in 2002, it was much more of a rock and roll show and kind of a needle drop right, sounding yeah. show. They, they, it was that sort of format that was very popular. And MTV had a lot of shows and, and they just sort of needle dropped songs. And The Bachelor kind of wanted to do that, but they couldn't really make it work with songs. So we sort of did our own. Yeah kind of library of late 90s, early 2000s, you know, <laughs> rock that also kind of worked as score. And then I would actually score some of the more dramatic moments yeah. and, and things like that. And now it's gotten much more score heavy where contestants are a little more aware of their situation and there's a lot more drama and intrigue and, yeah. uh, and shenanigans. And so uh, weaving a score through that sort of minefield is a, is, a, is a bit of a challenge and you can't really just do it by, I mean, I think years ago they would have, in some other shows, would have just dropped yeah, yeah. several cues in and, and just sort of splice something together. But um, we've just been doing it long enough and I think they were trying to elevate it. Yeah. And they keep trying to make the show better. So we find ways of sort of navigating those sort of complicated sequences with score. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's, I guess that's the interesting thing about those sort of shows is it, we've had the same sort of thing with Big Brother and that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. as, the, as the people that are involved in it get more aware about what it is that they're getting involved in, it kind of completely alters the 
the format because they know or they think they know what's coming. Right. So it ends up being this constant battle between producers and contestants. Right. And you don't want the show to be too self-aware. Yeah. And, and we do. They do a, a really good job of that. There was a time back in in Brown season five or six where it started to become a little self-aware and I think the viewers sort of noticed it and they sort of try to weed that out of it yeah. and make it a little more a little more natural and honest as, as honest as something yeah. like that can be but um we are not talking about music at all. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> but, okay. Yes, but let's, let's, let's move, move on to what, we, we, I, what I assumed we'd start with, which is Love, Death and Romance. Yeah, I messed that whole thing up. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's start. There are a lot of fans of The Bachelor and Bachelor yeah. and all those out there, so you're perfectly fine talking about that stuff. Um, but Love, Death and Robots, yeah, I was watching some of it last night because it just somehow missed me the first time, but I watched the first few episodes. Just an amazing. The animation. It's and incredible. That opening episode of the three robots in the sort of post apocalyptic kind of finding things left over by humanity. Just hilarious. It's just, it's just great. Hilarious. So and a lot of fun. Victor and Alfredo directed those, and uh, they were just, they've got a great sensibility, a great comic sensibility about themselves. And, uh, yeah. They did that episode and Alternate Histories, which I'm not sure if you saw. I haven't which features, yet, no. uh, features Adolf Hitler dying <laughs> several different ways, different <laughs> alternate ways. But yeah, those, those guys are great. They just got a great comic timing and a great comic sensibility. I, yeah, I, I love that opening episode. It's, it's so good. So how did you get involved with it? Well, I had been working with Tim Miller. Uh, so the executive producers of the show, Tim Miller and David Fincher, the creators of the show. And I had been working with Tim at his studio, Blur, for like the last 20 years, doing a lot of video game cinematics, trailers, commercials, and various other yeah. pieces. So. I had just done enough, uh, such a pretty wide variety of different genres yeah. and things in working with them. And they originally had just asked me to do the three or four episodes that Blur was going to produce them in-house. Right, okay. This particular series had animation studios all around the world doing episodes. Because yeah. it's an anthology and the formats and the genres are so radically different, yeah. it lent itself to having different studios and different directors do different episodes. And Tim wanted to give them as much freedom as possible to use their own teams, their own VFX people, their own composers, sound designers, what have you. And I was just going to do the blur ones. And then as the projects were sort of going through the pipeline, they had some hesitation with some of the music and some of the other aspects. And I think they felt like they needed to have at least some constant between them all. And so they had asked me to sort of act as a consultant on the whole series just right. to help them navigate other directors and their composers who maybe English wasn't their first language. And yeah. Tim and Jennifer Miller, uh, who's another executive producer, trusted my sensibilities enough that they just sort of said, like, would you mind kind of overseeing this? Mm -hmm. And then about a month later, they just said, you, you mind just, just doing all of them? I think it'll just be a lot easier. Yeah. So... Um, I ended up doing all but three or four, yeah. or four or five, I don't remember the number now. And I did act as like sort of a consultant and a liaison for the few that I didn't do. So that's how I got involved with it. You working with other people and acting as a consultant, one of those Junkie XL you did some work with on? on uh, yes, he scored Ice Age, the only live action. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I didn't really do, I didn't really, 
I mean, Tim was doing Terminator with, with Junkie at the time. Right, okay. So I, they sort of coordinated that, and they've worked together on features, so I didn't really have to do much yeah. with Junkie's episode, although there was kind of a last-minute thing on the mix stage where I sort of acted as music editor and briefly right. tweaked a couple of things, but... So with a show like that where everything's so different from episode to episode, is that a bigger headache for you or is that just more freedom? Oh, I loved it. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was great. It's just for, it suited my personality really well. Right. I use these as an opportunity to kind of learn. I'm always looking for new ways of learning and being able to sort of dive into these different genres was actually really freeing for me because mm. it's, you know, sometimes when you're doing a series for a long time and it's got a very distinct sound and a very tight sound, it's a challenge to find ways of making, you know, yeah. that interesting and evolving. And a lot of times with certain series, that evolution is very slow. This was just the complete opposite. So it was a, it's a great way to sort of, you know, if I tired of working on something or I was stuck on a particular challenge in one of the episodes, I could move on to something else. Yeah. It was totally different. And that was very liberating. And often just by doing that, stepping away from something and going into something completely different, I think your brain is still sort of working in the background. And it often the solutions to whatever problem I had before sort of presented itself while I was working on yeah. the other thing. So they used to sort of teach film composers would would say, you know, if you're if you're stuck on a cue, go mold, mow the lawn or yeah. something. Because getting away from it and uh, you know, sometimes with deadlines, it's difficult to yeah. force yourself to step away. And fortunately for this, I was able to step yeah, exactly. not necessarily step away from it. I was just I was still working uh, on the show, which is something different. But uh, I, I really appreciated it. I mean that was part of the fun of doing shows like The Bachelor or working on video game work with Blur is you know, every job is radically different. Mm -hmm. So and I just I happen to thrive in that sort of environment naturally. Yeah. So you don't have a particular preference for working in like film or TV or video games or No, I mean I've done so much I kinda of got my start in episodic television, my first early jobs working for as assistants to other composers and right. helping score. And then I moved into commercials and branding, audio branding yeah. for a while that led strangely back to television. So I've kind of done a lot of different things in my career. So this is, it's interesting. The Love, Death and Robots was, was sort of my career in a nutshell. Yeah. It's like got these radically different kind of things and in just a much shorter time frame. Yeah. You know, yeah. Microcosm yeah. of my entire career kind yeah. of, you know. So I mean, it more. ended up with an Annie Award as well, so... <laughs> yeah, which was, I'm honored and really flattered. Um, yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's fabulous. As I say, I'm not all the way through it yet, but I mean, just... The, I, I think had it, I not had to leave to come and do this, I would have yeah, seen the rest of it. It's uh, it's really great, and it's it's you know, and it's interesting because when you're doing these things, you don't really know how people are going to react. I know Tim had been wanting to do this for ten or fifteen years. He and David Fincher were were trying to make a kind of reboot of the heavy metal, um, the film heavy metal from yeah. the early '80s, the Ralph Bakshi animated anthology film. They've been trying to do that for fifteen years, and they couldn't get any studios to put up. You want us to make an R-rated yeah, yeah. animated anthology film and how much is this going to cost and yeah. they just said no way And uh, but after Deadpool after the success of Deadpool you know it was a little easier for 
Tim to do this project, and Netflix was the perfect partner for it. It's just right up their alley. Yeah, Deadpool was was just groundbreaking for a multitude of reasons, but one of them being proving the fact that you can have that sort of movie as an R-rated film and it still makes money and still you know everybody loves it. Right. Tim has a way of proving people yeah. wrong and proving himself right. He's very persistent. He's got a pretty clear vision, which is nice. I mean, it's it makes you know when I'm actually working with him as a director, it certainly makes things easier when a director has kind of a clear focus and vision. Yeah, no, I can imagine. Um, I think some composers might find it stifling. I actually kind of, yeah. that, that works for me. It's along with the, the Bachelor and Love, Death and Robots, one of the other things you did was you got to approach Dallas yes. uh, and, and go back into that. I mean, how, how, is it, how is it taking something like that, which is quite a well-known original kind of theme thing and then reworking that into something? It was um, fraught with peril. <laughs> The theme was really interesting. So the, I had studied the original evolution of the theme song. Right. We knew we were going to do a new version of it. There was some talk of maybe trying to grab some one of the recording sessions from one of the earlier seasons right. and, and okay. incorporate them, maybe remix it or something. And I had pitched a couple ideas to Mike Robin and Cynthia Sidra, the executive producers. I pitched a couple ideas about the, the thing about Dallas was the main theme played on the French horn. Da 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 da. Throughout the seasons of, of the original seasons, that was a constant. And what changed underneath it was the rhythm section. And they sort of, in 70, I think the original the first season was 79. Um, the first season had sort of like a disco beat. <laughs> and then in the early 80s, the slap bass became very popular. So that they had like some slap bass. So they would sort of evolve the rhythm section around this sort of big Copeland-esque Americana French horn team. So I, my initial plan was just something a little more modern country or modern country rock. Yeah. And Cynthia and Mike, they had, had done enough research with this and, and I think they might have focus groups and things and they, they just said no we have to stick right to like we have to stay completely original and I just said well there is no complete original yeah. it, it evolved and I said if we I said well maybe if we could just and they said no it's gotta be it's gotta be original and I just said let me play this for you and I played it for him and I played the first the yeah. original season I go well, listen to those drums it's disco like it's 2012 like yeah. I'm not gonna do yeah we're not gonna do disco drums on this it's you know, the high we're not going to do that. So we need to change that. And they said, okay, you can change the drums. <laughs> and then the actual approach to scoring the, the, the series was pretty different just because of the pacing and the editorial style. If you look back at the original series, the way that show was scored, they would have, the way it was edited and scored was really different by today's sensibilities. And right, yeah. they would shoot a scene that was maybe, you know, five or seven minutes long with no music and barely any editing. It would be a master shot with two actors sort of talking and scheming and maybe eventually they would cut to another, you know, yeah. over the shoulder or something like that. But the pacing was just glacial by today's standards. And so the new series, I mean, someone couldn't even walk across the room without them cutting. I mean, they yeah. would actually jump cut people just going from one place to the other. So they would cram in several old episodes worth of stories into one episode of this modern thing. And so the scenes 
really couldn't play completely dry. In the old house, they would wait for like a big reveal and mm, music yeah. would come in with a big dun 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 at the end of the scene. And it just really wasn't working with this new editorial sensibility. Yeah. So um, we kind of had to find a new language mm. and uh, try to honor as much as I could some of the aesthetics of the original series. Yeah. So I did small string ensembles recorded in dead rooms to kind of give it that 70s, 80s sounds. This was for the first season. I, I, I built a little of that in there, so it kind of had that, just a hint of that sort of charm in there. But then as the, as the series evolved, even that felt a little precious, so we sort of continually evolved it from there. And it, it uh, But there was always a, a little bit of a Western yeah. kind of element with some dobro or guitar, electric guitar and acoustic guitar and, and um, yeah, so it was, uh, and it was, we were well aware that, you know, people were going to be watching this very, very carefully and, yeah. and uh, some people appreciated the new direction, other people didn't. There were, you know, with, with the show that was that beloved, there's always going to be a very It's always going to be a problem. Yeah, there's going to be a, like a, a very vocal fan base, yeah. either pro or against. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you know, for me as a composer, fortunately, it's not all up to me. Yeah. Some of the choices I made that I think it was really strange. Somebody sent me, a friend sent me uh, something they saw. Somebody had criticized the, an editorial decision we made for the main title. We had to cut the main title down because it was originally. Yeah, they were really long. It was like a minute and a half yeah. long. And we're like, they're not going to do a minute and a half main title. And they made me cut it down to like 45 to 48 seconds, yeah. which is still pretty long by today's, today's standards. Yeah, yeah. I did a show a few years ago called Mr. Sunshine, a, right. a single camera comedy for ABC, and the theme song was five seconds long. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's the best five seconds I ever wrote. <laughs> it's the worst recorded thing I've ever recorded, but it did work for the show. But, um, no, but it, and so this 45 seconds felt pretty luxurious for us. Yeah. And fortunately, the Dallas theme was really just restated yeah, yeah, of yeah, the yeah. original theme, just transposed with in, in arrangement changes. So the French horns did it. And the trumpets did it, and then the full orchestra did it with that awesome French horn counterline, which ended up not making it. So I had edited it to this 45 second thing, and there's an interesting thing after the first phrase dun 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 two three. They just throw a three four bar in there for no reason, and then they start the next phrase. And someone when someone sent me this rant, someone went on this huge rant about how I, I couldn't even cut on a bar line. I had dropped a beat in this thing. How dare I? And um, I'm like, that's the one thing I didn't change from the original. I kept the weird 3-4 bar in. Yeah. <laughs> so Brilliant. you can't win. No, no. <laughs> it's fine. Fans, uh, yes, do damned if you do, damned if you don't. <laughs> But uh, I was sad to lose the French, the bit with the French run counterline because it's a great, yeah, it's a great line. No, I mean it's one of those things that I mean you've you've written a few things in your time for yeah. instance things like uh, Stitches with one of them that has been yeah yeah uh, Stitches a good little show that actually it's yeah. actually a really enjoyable <laughs> show and and uh, that was an interesting um, I don't even remember how I <laughs> somebody from there contacted me and I I don't remember exactly how that happened but I just sort of submitted an idea for it yeah I think it was one of those they had kind of reached out to several different people and yeah. had them do it which I don't really it doesn't really happen so much 
anymore. No. It used to be a little more common, but everybody seems to have a, know a composer now. It's yeah. not like, well, <laughs> yeah. who are we going to get to do this? Let's get some reels and see. Like everybody already knows somebody. So it was a, a rare opportunity to sort of try something new. And that was a fun thing. And I, 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 I yeah, I enjoyed it. I actually been threatening to, to do a uh, an extended version of it, and <laughs> never quite got around to doing it. it it's, it's ripe for remixing. I yeah. think it could be a great track, sort of as an extended. Yeah, thing. I mean, some of those eighties themes, though, very rare. You get something which which has that sort of just sticks in your head, like the Dallas theme these days. Well, it is. It almost feels. I mean, that it's. For its time, it was pretty groundbreaking to sort of mash up these two different genres yeah, of, yeah. Of, of this Western, sprawling yeah, Western yeah. epic orchestral score with sort of modern elements. And, and again, by today's standards, it feels, the rhythm section part of it certainly feels yeah. a little dated back then. And it, just tracing that evolution is, is a lot of fun because from the disco drums to the, like the muted guitar to the yeah. slap bass. And then in 85, they did the electronic drums, of course. Yeah, of course. Yes. The Simmons. Eighty-five. That's what you did. Yeah, exactly. Or eighty-four. Um, yeah. But yeah, and we don't really get that opportunity. You know, I had I had written a song for Extreme Makeover Home Edition. Right. Yeah. For ABC, I came in on season four, I think, of that, and they wanted to do a big theme song, and so I, I, I wrote a song and had a another singer. So I'm not really a singer, although I sang the Stitcher's theme. <laughs> unfortunately for them, uh, with courtesy of plenty of auto tune. But I had had a singer come in and it was really nice it really worked well I thought it was an, a, a really successful main title and I had seen in a newspaper article lamenting the death of the theme song and how yeah, it was, yeah. it, at the time this was probably I want to say 2006 or 5 or 6 mm. at the time you know the trend was no theme songs everyone was just squeezing them down to nothing and I said to myself, well, I wonder how long it's going to take for the network execs to see this article and, and decide they don't want to have a theme song for the show. And sure enough, three weeks later, they said, we're going to get rid of the theme song. We're going to go without one because that's oh, sadly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought it was really, but it, it ran for a few episodes yeah. and it was kind of comical, the timing. Yeah, it's a shame. I, I do miss, I mean, you, are, you do get a few of them now, but it's, yes, yeah, more themes like yeah. I think with, um, and Love, Death and Robots was an interesting theme challenge too, because it, it was, we knew it was going to be maybe 10 or 15 seconds long. Yeah. It wasn't really going to be, it ends up being, it's kind of a hybrid between sound design and music. Which yeah, was, yeah, it's interesting. Which was, which was kind of nice. And I had done, we had done quite a bit of research and just trying out things against some of their test pictures just to sort of see like, what's, what does this thing want to feel like? And, you know, Netflix didn't really, they had some concerns. They just, their only concern, they didn't want it to sound like Black Mirror. Was the, that, that was the right, yeah, yeah. concern because I think there's some pair like some comparison. Yeah, the Although I don't feel like it's anything other than no, being an anthology. I don't really see. Totally, I guess. That I can see why. I mean, I, I think they're very different shows, but maybe there is a sort of dark tone to both of them possibly. And they're both anthology shows. Right. So maybe it's that but I mean one's animated one isn't and they are different in every yes. other way though. yeah well I guess it, it, those comparisons are inevitable so I think yeah. that was just one concern they had but that was really the only Netflix was great you know they um, I, I joked about it at the Annie's um, I actually got a network we got a network note on the dub stage uh, when we were doing our mixes there's somebody from 
from Netflix was there and we were going through the notes and this is the usual, like I can't hear that line of dialogue and, right, yeah. and that sound effect is a little, can we, you know, and then there was this one note from Netflix as it said, man, I wish I could hear the music more. Can you turn the music <laughs> up? I was just like, <laughs> run over and hug the stranger. Thank you, dear Lord. Thank you. And I'm not one of those, like, I'm not, you know, I mean, there's a joke about composers not being invited yeah. to the dub stage because, the, you know, they're always going to be asking to turn the music up. And I'm not one of those guys. Like, I have suggested turning the music down in several, <laughs> several times. Not because of the music, just because sometimes these things just want to... They want to hover in just the right yeah, place yeah. and work a little more subconsciously. And I think they can be more effective that way. Uh, and then choose your moments to feature them. But I agree with them. I, I felt like maybe it was getting a little buried under effects at that moment. So that was that was refreshing. There's another season of that. Right? Yeah, I just I just started on it. Um, just working The other really challenging thing about the show is, um, and you never really quite get over it. When you're working on a, a typical series, it's run by producers, you're dealing with the same people week after week. The creative team is yeah. constant. They bring in new directors for each episode, but right. often a show's tone is constant. And this being an anthology, they had different directors for each episode and the genres are different. And, and they were giving them tons of freedom. So I was working directly with directors long before I worked with producers got involved and gave their sort of notes. And, and that is a real challenge because it's there's always a little bit of tentativeness mm. when you're working with somebody for the first time because you, you obviously it's a collaborative you know process. You you wanna help them realize their vision, but sometimes language fails and you, yeah, you can you can so and so that was a, a kind of unique challenge. And as a consultant working with some of the other composers, it was interesting to be on that side of it because I could hear yeah. our producers giving them notes, and I, I had already had discussions with what their concerns were with some of this other score, and they would give notes, and I, which were obvious to me after having discussions with the producers. That these are small small fixes, yeah. But to them, to the composers on the other side, I could see them. Oh my God! I have to redo this whole yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. I had to sort of step in and say, "Well, because it's your in you don't want to get fired. Yeah, it's your instinct to like overcompensate because you're work again. You're working some for the first time. So I sort of tried to run interference a little bit and right. just say, like, well, before you redo everything, I think this if we just it's just this yeah. spot and maybe just don't get so dark here a little little you know not telling them how to write anything but just yeah sort just, of steering it because as a composer i can kind of tell yeah when the producers wanted something to happen i could sort of translate it in a way without necessarily using adjectives or things that would be too concrete yeah kind of steer them in a direction and and it was nice for them because I could say, hey, don't re just just fix this little bit. Don't restart from the yeah. beginning. And I, I would take the heat if like if they didn't change it enough right, yeah. and they were worried that the producers felt like they weren't yeah. changing it enough. It was like I was the one telling them not to change yeah. it. Like at least try it this way before we, we do it. And so being in that role made me really aware of my behavior when I'm <laughs> right, doing it with, yeah. with, when I'm working with new directors <laughs> and in my you know in this and it's just human nature to sort of do those to just kind of do those things and, and perhaps overcompensate yeah. um, but sometimes small tweaks can really go a long way uh, that was a, a, an interesting challenge yeah and, and every director has a different working style some have very concrete visions and you're just 
realizing that vision. Others, I don't really know. What do you think? Like, let's try some stuff, yeah, yeah. which is fun for a whole other, you know, yeah. it's, it's a whole other way of working. And some directors wanted to be in the room with you. Others didn't. So it was, and doing that in a really concentrated amount of time is, it's a little tricky. It kept me on my toes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think coming from the ad world a little bit, having some experience in the ad world and in the branding world and working with dozens and dozens, possibly hundreds of directors, creative directors and designers, and producers, I sort of learned to navigate that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, which is a whole other side of composing that is. Yeah. Yeah. It's nothing the, to do with music, yeah. really. And it's. I think there's some value in, in talking about that, especially if you're talking about scoring to picture, because so much of it is about understanding human nature and how people, sometimes directors or producers feel, if you play them something and how they may feel like, mm. if it's not necessarily like, oh my God, that's genius. If they're like, well, I, I think I like it, but I'm not sure. A lot of my job is to sort of try to put them at ease and let them know it's okay if they don't like it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's okay if you like, I can tweet this. I can try something else. We can do whatever you like. And, and giving them permission to hate something is really liberating for the director. <laughs> yeah. Because the pressure's off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, totally. So uh, I think that's uh, something that. I had learned over the years that really came in handy here. Yeah, yeah, uh, I can imagine. So um, you've you've got second season of that you're working on now. Any anything else that you're working on that you can talk about without getting into trouble? Yeah, I got a couple things I cannot talk about, but um, I'm doing another. I've done a lot of kind of become the sort of go-to person for uh, Blur. Blur does quite a bit of uh, cinematic trailers for the Elder Scrolls Online uh, oh, video right. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've done a number of those for Blur, and I'm doing a, uh, like yet another one for this, oh, cool. this new game that's coming out of this new, I think it's an expansion pack right, yeah, um, yeah. called Graymore, and that's fun because it's, it's getting a little darker than typical. It's not, it's still in the fantasy realm, but considerably darker, which has been a nice change from what we've, we've been doing in, in the past few seasons of this. So that's, I'll be working on that in the spring. It'll probably come out around E3, I think. Yeah. And season 16 of The Bachelorette will be starting up soon. And, uh, but right now I'm, I'm really all about Love, Death and Robots season two. It's, yeah. it's, um, we're doing uh, two shorter seasons now just because the lead time in animation is so long. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Um, which is, you know, it's interesting. It's, it's an opportunity for me because I can start working a lot earlier mm. in the process. With Sunny's Edge, I don't know if you saw that episode with the, sure, the yeah. monsters fighting each other. No, I haven't seen that. So you've got a different order. You know, there was a, there was some controversy with Netflix's... Oh, because they reordered... They reordered random order for different viewers. Yeah, so yeah. Three Robots is not necessarily the first episode. Oh, okay. Cause, yeah, because I got Three Robots as the one that... The man that gets lost in, in space. space. Yeah, the other the rift, and, yes. And, and then Ice Age. And then Ice Age, yeah. yeah. So that's the three I have. Interesting. Two of those I didn't do. <laughs> but yeah, so for, for a lot of people, Sunny's Edge was, was the first one. And I had started working on that one in the summer of 2017. Yeah. Uh, a year and a half, almost two years before. No, it came out in 2019. So yeah, almost yeah, two almost years. two years yeah. before 
it was released and I had started working with just a script and some style frames and some other ones I, I would work to story reels or animatics when not locked times, yeah. but I could kind of just just experiment with, with putting things up. So it, it you know, regular episodic television, you don't really necessarily have that luxury. You do get a little bit of it if you're doing the pilot, whereas where you tend to spend most of your time, the pilot, the first couple of episodes, mm. and the first season to some extent. But generally, once you get cooking on a TV show, it's yeah, it's, yeah. it's all about time management. You don't necessarily have the luxury to explore. And this show definitely gave me some of that luxury. And some of the episodes, towards the end, we were coming fast and furious, so we, we, we couldn't necessarily spend that much time. But fortunately, they're short, so. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I'm very, very much looking forward to, to seeing the rest of it. I think, season one. I, I think you'll, you'll enjoy it. If you like Three Robots, the same directors did Alternate Histories and then another one called When the Yogurt Took Over, <laughs> which is really funny and quietly funny. It's, yeah. it's really, uh, it's, yeah. And, you know, that one's all electronic. It's all modular hardware sense. And then, you know, Suits is a little bit like Dallas. It's a big, big orchestral action with some Americana cool. blended in. Yeah. Dallas, Dallas was helpful for that. Maybe, maybe having that experience helped. So that's... That's what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, so, last couple of questions for yeah. you. Uh, last two questions, always TV related, because we cover a lot of TV shows on the site. So the first question is, what TV shows are you watching at the moment? What are these people that doesn't watch TV? I do watch a little bit of TV. I don't watch enough of it. I'm very excited that the final season of Homeland has started. Yes, me too. I am a huge fan of the show. I'm a huge fan of Sean Callery, the composer. I, I love uh, And we yeah. share a music editor, Jeff Charbonneau. Oh, cool. uh, my music editor on Love It the Robots is Sean Callery's music editor for Homeland and 24. Oh, yeah. He did the X-Files back in the day. Jeff is great. Uh, Rick and Morty. Yes, brilliant. Uh, I'm a friend of Ryan Elder, the composer for that yeah, as well. Yeah. Uh, have you seen the next, the, the, the yes, first yes. four episodes? I texted him right after that, that episode with the snakes, yeah. the snake plant. Yes. I, I texted him and I just said, please, please, please tell me that you performing the snake jazz. <laughs> And he replied, of course it is. Of course it's me. Yeah, it's the really dumbest thing. And then my absolute favorite show on television right now yeah. is called Joe Para Talks With You. <laughs> right. Have you heard the, about this? Know. It is, I can't recommend it enough. It's on Adult Swim. Right. Uh, and it is the most anti Adult Swim kind of show you've ever seen. Uh, Joe Para is a stand-up comedian and, right. and uh, an actor, and his de demeanor is one would say grandfatherly. He's probably <laughs> in his mid thirties, but he's just got a very slow, deliberate pace, and it's there's a certain sort of awkwardness and gentleness about him in the show, where it is the quietest, serenest hilarious gentlest and it like gave me hope for mankind <laughs> like in this crazy nutty times we're living in where everything is loud and yelling and screaming yeah this is a complete it's like taking a bath it's it I is know. you should go back to season one and because uh, they, they've already done season two he plays a middle school choir teacher in the upper peninsula of michigan <laughs> right 
I will have to, we do get the adult swim stuff, so I, I will have it to is, go. It is so good. There's a whole episode devoted to him discovering the song Baba O'Reilly by The Who. <laughs> right. Which somehow, even though it's modern day, it has escaped him for all these years. And right. he hears it for the first time and is obsessed. And it's a whole episode about the joy of discovering a new song. Yeah. And he does it in the funniest, funniest way. But there's something about the the air of that show. And the yeah. I, I don't know the composer's name. Uh, I looked it up and I forgot it, but the music is just gorgeous. Too. I'll have to go and look that one. Yeah, yeah, I think you'll... But yeah, yeah give, give it a couple episodes. It takes a second so, to... Some of those adult swim things can be a bit like... Yeah, but it's... it's Because adult swim is very often yeah. pretty edgy. Some yeah. of it is loud and... You know, it's the episode that runs Family Guy. And, yeah, and, yeah. yeah. And this is very much the opposite of that and it's just brilliant so that's what I'm watching and if you have the opportunity to work on any TV show either past present or some future genre what would it be oh my god genre or actual <laughs> show A well actual actual show if it's past if it's past or present actual show if it's future I'll let you go for a genre uh, yeah I don't think I can answer a genre because I I, I I wouldn't want right. to I don't want to put that out on the line I don't want to get locked into okay, a genre so, so uh, what past show would I, I think I would have really enjoyed working on maybe the old Chuck Jones animated uh, right yeah uh, Warner Brothers shorts. Yeah. That would have been fun. Yeah. That's a, good a very different kind of thing. And it's animation. It's a very different kind of scoring approach. I love that robots is scored almost more just like a you would score any kind of episodic television series. It's not cartoon music, but I was a big fan of Carl Stalling, uh, who did all the great Warner Brothers scores. It was sort of part of the reason I wanted to be a composer. So I think if I had but like the thing is, is, if I could go back and do it, then it wouldn't have been, would have done away like, yeah, yeah, it would have been, you know, so I, know. I, I would have ruined it, I think, for <laughs> that's, but, but I think um, working on something like that would be, yeah. would be. That would be cool. You never know, maybe somebody will come up with a sort of... Well, the, well, the, clo like yeah, the closest thing in this season was alternate histories, which had yeah. the sort of cartoony music for Adolf Hitler. It was <laughs> some old Austrian folk song that we just sort of orchestrated right. um, awesome. for young Adolf coming out of the academy and in, in Austria, the art academy in Austria <laughs> and dying in a variety of <laughs> hilarious and horrific ways. But that was the closest thing we really came to cartoon mm. music in this yeah. series. But uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't mind. Maybe they'll do, they'll do something like yeah, that. Maybe. I look forward to seeing the new series anyway, so uh, good luck with all that. I hope you enjoy it. Let me know what you think, please. Feel free to. Thank you for taking the time to chat. Oh, thanks for having me. It was great. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.